Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. This episode is brought to you by a number of readers asking the same darn question. That's a really good one. You can help us grow our audience by telling your friends and peers about this podcast, by posting about it on social media, and by writing us a positive review on iTunes. I really appreciate that you invest the time to listen, and I thank you for your support. Welcome to episode 91. In this episode, we're going to examine the subject of backing up your photos and your videos in the field without a laptop. Hey gang, storage is relatively cheap these days, and so we can buy larger cards for less than ever before. We're also using larger density sensors and higher resolution video than ever before. And consequently, we're more likely than ever before to be filling up our cards in the field. A single card with all your content on it becomes a single point of failure, and that's a very serious risk. I've seen even very good cards become corrupted or even fail, so having a field backup is critical. We know that some cameras have dual card slots, but a larger number of them don't. And many of those that do have taken the approach of one really state-of-the-art fast card slot, and the second card slot being slower, maybe even a different physical format, or otherwise having some engineered-in poor design, possibly with the intent of saving some money at time of build. But I'm really starting to believe that it's designed to really annoy the buyer. Now, since we cannot control the design of the camera, or perhaps even build a justification for a new model with proper dual card slots, we need to be backing up in the field. This is obviously true for wedding and event creatives, but it holds true for anyone making images or capturing stills that are not readily reshot, even if you could cover the costs involved in getting back to the place and getting all the same uh, situation set up again. The easiest route, of course, would be a method that quickly makes a copy of the data on the card to a second storage facility while leaving the card intact, meaning the card does not get erased. At this point, you have the card and the storage mechanism in two separate places, and they go somewhere safe for the duration of your work, and you've got two distinct copies in two distinct places. That's not perfect backup, but it's a heck of a lot better than having everything on a single card that could fail, could get lost, or could get broken. Let's take a look at a couple of potential solutions to address this problem. I kept hearing about this new tool that's the hot thing with people shooting stills and video in the field who needed the ability to back up their files without a computer, and they also want to do some quick editing before posting to social media. If that sounds anything like you, then you're the person that the Narbox is built for. What is a Narbox? Well, at the risk of sounding silly, it's a box about the size and shape of one of those old rugged hard drives that used to house a two and a half inch drive. But instead of a spinning drive, the Narbox holds flash memory and it comes in either a 128 gigabyte or a 256 gigabyte capacity. It sells for just under $400 Canadian for the 256 gigabyte unit. The device is held in a rubberized case that is water, 
shock, and dust-resistant, with all the ports concealed behind rubber doors. It feels nice and solid in your hand. Connecting to the Narbox is pretty simple. In fact, in my opinion, the easiest way to get your media onto the Narbox is to use the built-in SD card slot. Now, if, for example, you don't use SD cards, the better route is going to be with a fast USB 3 reader that supports the highest speed cards that you have. For example, a UHS-2 SD card has a second set of contacts for faster throughput. But if the reader that you're using doesn't support this, well, you're going to run at a much slower transfer rate. The Narbox can also generate its own Wi-Fi network, and if your camera supports Wi-Fi transfer of your full-sized images, this could be very useful. But practical testing shows it to be a lot slower than working with a reader itself. I need the reader because my cameras don't use SD cards, and some of them don't do Wi-Fi. Now, one of the presets behind the Narbox was to enable editing on the fly. And why this works is because the Narbox is also a small computer. Your smartphone becomes its display and it's where you launch and run the apps that manipulate the images or the clips that you've got stored on your Narbox. This process is quite fast and of course doesn't require you to place the images or clips on your smart devices, limited and expensive storage. We know that our smart devices typically don't have extensible storage as well. So once we fill them, they're full. Not much we can do about it. The editing tools that you get as part of the Narbox app set, which are available for iOS and for Android, are basic. They're not as rich as a more dedicated and perhaps more expensive on smart device editor, but they may serve your needs admirably. You can then also use the Narbox apps to leverage your smart device's connectedness to the internet to immediately post to social media if that's the kind of thing that floats your boat. It's definitely better to get better quality edited stuff up to the web than using the low-res Wi-Fi camera-to-phone transfer options that exist. In concept, the idea behind the Narbox is brilliant but I've got a concern about space. If I needed to edit from a smart device or on the smart device and post to social media, this is a brilliant solution, but that's not me. And I also accept that I'm probably not the target buyer, at least at this point. I do want that field backup, and this is where the Narbox does let me down. For stills, 256 gigs of storage would be fine for a few, maybe even a week's worth of serious work, but for videography, particularly 4K high bandwidth video, that 256 gigs is just not enough space. I could kill off 256 gigs in less than half an hour of footage. Man, what a great idea. Not enough space, so it led me to keep looking. I had read about the original Western Digital Passport Wireless. To say that the initial reviews were negative would be very polite. But since technology doesn't sit still if it wants to survive, the current release, now called the Western Digital Passport Wireless Pro, is a different device. It uses spinning drives in the 1, 2, 3, and 4 terabyte capacity ranges, and these are all the 2.5 inch form factor drives, which gives us a relatively small square form factor for this device. It's about 5 inches by 5 inches. It feels decently solid but there's no indication that it's water, dust, or shock resistant. Because it contains a spinning drive, it means that it's going to be more susceptible to shock damage than a solid state drive. 
Now, rumor has it is that the drives used in these devices are the Western Digital Blue series. They spin at about 5,400 RPM, a decent but not stellar response speed. And these are the same kind of drives that we see in a lot of laptops. So if you can handle that level of reliability, you're good. Certainly at around $340 Canadian for the four terabyte variety, the price is pretty good for a pocket drive that can read your files in the field so long as you cover yourself on those environmental caveats. From a connectivity perspective, the Wireless Pro, as its name suggests, generates its own Wi-Fi network. So if your camera supports Wi-Fi and can transfer your full-sized files, that's one way to make the transfer happen. There is a built-in SD Type 3.0 card slot, and there is a USB 3.0 port to connect the drive to your computer so you can mount it as an external disk. There is also a USB 2.0 port that allows you to plug in a card reader. That this decision for this connection is USB 2.0 is a very poor choice, about a decade out of time, and it guarantees that I'm never going to buy one. There is a smart device app to use with this unit, and I recommend it heartily because it's really the only way to be sure what gets backed up and to verify the success of the backup. There are four LEDs on the box to indicate progress, but respectfully, I classify these as barely useful. If you're shooting JPEGs, the app will also render thumbnails, but it's not going to be able to render thumbnails for RAW files. You can transfer images to your smartphone for sharing through the app, but you cannot share directly from the Passport Wireless Pro. Unlike the Narbox, there's no editor for use that interfaces directly with the Wireless Pro. But that's related to the fact, I think, that the unit is designed to be a field backup device. What does appeal to me about the Passport Wireless Pro is the amount of available space. In my own use cases, I wouldn't want anything less than a terabyte to take into the field, particularly if I'm doing video work. I use 64 gig, 128 gig, and 256 gig cards in my day-to-day -day work. And except for the 4K video, I probably wouldn't come close to filling them in a single shoot. But if I had all that secondary storage, I could just buy more of the more cost-effective, at least at time of publication, 64 gig cards, and just store them aside when they're full until I get back to the studio for permanent offload. Unfortunately, since I don't use SD cards, I'm not going this route because USB 2 has a connection for a card reader that's trying to move huge amounts of data is completely useless to me. So it was an interesting little project. I'm not really satisfied with either option, and I'm not going to buy one. I couldn't care less about editing on a smart device, particularly using a relatively basic application set. I wouldn't spend money on field backup that didn't have lots of storage. I would not spend money on field backup that could not accept USB 3.0 or USB-C as an import connection for a card reader. Overall, I like the Narbox best for its overall design and build, but the storage amount is too small, and frankly, the price is too high to make it a warrantable purchase. I can buy a 500 gigabyte SSD drive for under $100 now. If the company chose to build a Narbox with a one terabyte SSD drive at their current price of just under 400 bucks Canadian, I'd buy it. I'd buy it tomorrow. However, 256 gigs, not enough storage, price is too high. Alternatively, Western Digital could get their head unstuck and go all USB in a hardened and environmentally protected case. 
for me, my use cases as it stands today, if I'm going into the field for several days, I've still got to carry a laptop to make backups of my work. That's a drag. Hopefully, the future will see an improvement. Do you have an idea for an article or a tutorial? Do you have a photo or video question that's unrelated to this article? Send me an email directly at ross at the photo video guy or post in the comments. If you shop with B&H Photo Video, please consider doing so through the link on the photovideoguy.ca as this helps support my efforts and has no negative impact whatsoever on your shopping experience. If you find the podcast or articles of value, please consider clicking the donation tab in the sidebar of the website and buy me a coffee. Your donation goes to help me keep things going here. Email your questions on any photo or video topic, and I will try to respond within a day. I'm Ross Chevalier. Thanks for reading, watching, and listening. And until next time, peace.